Welcome to Loitering. It's a podcast about the art you can't get over. I'm Mandy. I'm Justine. And we have a guest today. It's this person I've never met before. Hi, I'm Joanne. Nice to meet you. <laughs> Psych, they've met. <laughs> I, feel like a, I feel like a jerk now. I'm actually Kitty's friend. So <laughs> that's the, yes, that's the truth. Uh, we have a guest today. Her name is Joanne. She's a person I like. Hi. Gross. <laughs> Embarrassing. <laughs> uh, what are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about The Office. Yeah. Which one? The American version. Okay. So, is the show that everyone on Earth likes a lot, and I started watching, what, like a month ago? Mm-hmm. I know, Justine, you've really been into The Office for a while. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I would like to talk about, like, why you guys like The Office, and, like, why you think everyone likes The Office. I have some, like, weird feelings about it. Like, we started watching the first episode, and I was like, I don't think I would have liked this if I were still working at some bad jobs. But, so let's introduce The Office. The Office premiered as a British sitcom in 2001, and it only ran for two seasons. It was created by Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant. Um, it was pick up, picked up for development on US TV by Greg Daniels, and it ran from 2005 to 2013, which is a lot later than I thought. I thought it was like off the air in like 2011. And uh, that's what we're going to be focusing on today, is the US version, because I think that's the one that most people are familiar with. Okay, so this show, what would you say the show is about? An office? That seems obvious. Yeah, it's kind of, um, I think it changed from the first couple seasons through to the later ones. I think it started as a comedy in the workplace, and then it turned into something else. Okay. Um, where it just so happened to involve a workplace. Uh, but I think okay. it started as a workplace comedy. Yes. That's my understanding of it. What What did it turn into in later seasons? Um, For reference, I've only seen through like... Half of season four. four. Yeah. So um, I read an article about it in The Atlantic, which I thought described it very well. Um, and spoil, spoiler alert, I don't think that the quality of the show stays the same throughout the course of the nine seasons. I've heard this. But <laughs> it's also wild to me that there are nine seasons of the show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but The Atlantic was saying that the reason why The Office wasn't funny throughout all nine seasons is because it struggled to make that transition. Mm. When a show is about a workplace, it can only stay funny if it's just about the workplace. But as they start to... But you can't keep it that way, right? You kind of want the characters to grow, but then that necessitates you looking at what their lives are like beyond the workplace. Yeah, And it didn't do that transition very well. Mm. And I felt that too, like... A big part of the reason why I got into it and was watching it live week after week was because I wanted to know what was happening with Jim and Pam. <laughs> What's going to happen? Yeah. yeah. But then they got together and it was like they didn't know what to do. Yeah. It was like, darn, this is just like every other show now. Yeah. Like, oh shoot, there's like a weird cheating tension and like you're you're having com- <laughs> what? <laughs> See, this is why I was nervous to talk about it. It's like, it's oh fine. no, she hasn't it's fine. seen this yet. Like, oh no, they ha- they're having competing like professional, personal interests. Um, right, right. It's like, okay, you know, I've seen this. I've seen this before. Uh, I don't really want to watch something that yeah. real. And that just wasn't what The Office was when it started. So right. much hinged on that, like, oh, will they, won't they uh-huh. thing? And then, yeah, it did like go through a little bit of like a boring stretch when they did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, and like I think they some parts of some parts of the aspects of their outside lives were funny. Like uh, Dwight's beet farm was right, very funny, right? But they found Cousinos. Cousinos. I love Shirt so much, <laughs> and I love him in this role. So like he hasn't said any words yet. No, I don't think so. But he's run alongside the car. <laughs> He's thrown <laughs> poop at Dwight. He sat in the outhouse with the door swinging open. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, but you know they they weaved that into his office life with with Dwight taking reservations on his office phone. Yeah, which is like a a good thing. But later on with like Angela and the senator, it's like that's forced. You're forcing her outside life into what the central uh, location is, and I don't like it. Yeah. it. It was just um, not done well. It wasn't funny. It wasn't entertaining. And, yeah, I felt like it just took such a sharp dive for me personally. I didn't feel invested after, like, six, season six, mm. I feel like. I still feel like six seasons is a, a normal run of a show, though. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. Yeah, I also like, feel like a big part of the confusion was when Michael left. Yes, yeah. that was just what I was about to say. I had a really hard time watching past when Michael left uh-huh. and Will Ferrell came on, which I love Will Ferrell in yeah. like every single role he's ever done except that one. Yeah. I don't think he's <laughs> yeah. funny. Like I don't get what he's trying to do. And yeah. it was just, it fell so flat for me. Yeah. When Michael left. Yeah. yeah. Which is interesting because we've talked about, you know, you're watching it for the first time and you're like, it seems like a really funny show if that guy was like gone. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, especially he, in like the first season, I was like, I don't understand why people think this is funny. This is just reminding me of all the bad bosses I've ever had. And like, I think we were like two and a half minutes into the pilot and I paused it and I turned to Joanne and I was like, I would not be able to watch this if I was still working at some of my old jobs. Like yeah. I couldn't emotionally handle it but then we were taught you were talking about transitions and for me like a notable transition in the show is uh the second episode or the first episode of season two um the dundies episode yeah we're love the dundies episode they build like the tonal shift of the show into the narrative of the show where like they're like okay we're gonna start liking michael now and we're gonna start showing people be sympathetic to him and rest of the office kind of like stand up for him as their leader and we're gonna do that through like drunk pam and drunk <laughs> pam comes in and she's like yeah and I, love, I love drunk pam that it's, is like an endearing part when yeah. i think folks stand up and want to like protect michael's feelings in a way because you see him as this like really cringeworthy character but then yeah. there is like a, a deep-seated goodness that i think comes out more the more he interacts with people because he's just striving for connection so hard yeah like this is my family it's like no it's a workplace yeah. i think that's said multiple times <laughs> oh yeah. yeah but there's another uh notable moment i think where you see that when he's not invited to jim's party when we Jim just, has that oh okay. yeah yeah and Michael isn't invited and he comes anyway awkwardly uh-huh. and it's like this terrible moment but he's up there singing karaoke mm-hmm. and he needs a duet partner uh-huh. and Jim gets up and sings with him and there's just this feeling of um protecting him or something like yeah yeah it's like he is so bad and awful and cringeworthy and awkward like to the point of caricature I feel like uh-huh. but and that part I don't I cannot identify with I hate it it's like you see it in all your bad bosses but when he feels things like 
grief and sadness and hurt and embarrassment and then later on when he feels joy that's so real right. that you can you can identify with that and you can look past the caricature parts of it right I think. um and i think yeah dundies is definitely where you see that written so well yeah good job mindy mindy kaling mindy <laughs> I'm also thinking of the episode where the he goes out shop. It's like Women's Appreciation Day or something. Yes, <laughs> and he goes out shopping with all the women in the office, and they like talk him out of his abusive relationship with Jan. <laughs> yes, and they're like, "You need to stand up to her," and it's like so endearing. Yeah, it's really nice. And then also in that episode, Angela refuses to go into Victoria's Secret. Angela might be one of my favorite characters. <laughs> I think you love Angela. I think I love Angela. <laughs> I like all of her shirts. You do. Yeah. Which she buys an American Girl doll. Yeah. <laughs> Girl doll. Because the gap is a little too flashy. Sometimes Gap Kids is a little too flashy. <laughs> she's think... not that small. She, she's pretty small though. And she's it's very five two or something. But it's very funny because she's always in scenes with Dwight. It was like six five. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also on this so there's a podcast. Hosted by Jenna Fisher, who plays Pam, and Angela Kinsey, who plays the character Angela Martin. And they have talked in, in the broadcast about how, like, John Krasinski, who plays Jim, is, like, 6'3", and he's the shortest person in his family somehow. And Dwight is, like, six over six feet tall. And, like, when they're in scenes with them, they sometimes have to stand on boxes to, like, <laughs> be in the, the shot together. Or, um, like... Uh, Rain Wilson will have to be in a chair when he's in scenes with Angela. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Luckily, yeah. they work in an office, so it makes yeah. sense. <laughs> then they'll always be sitting. Yeah. Yes. I just posted a meme that it was like, I'm sorry, I'm 6'3", and God wanted me to see concerts better than you. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Yeah. At six foot, I feel that a little bit, too. Like yeah. a giant. <laughs> so, when we're talking about The Office... This is like a really important show for a lot of people, and I kind of don't get it because I wasn't on the train when it left the station, and now I'm kind of just catching up on Netflix. And so, I guess I would I would like to hear why you guys like the show so much. <laughs> As like an out, I feel like I'm at a zoo, and I'm just like I don't understand. <laughs> well, we talked a little bit about that Jim and Pam kind of yes. um, sexual tension that you felt, but also. Yes. I think seeing it live and people were so excited for the cold opens. I know, yeah. Joanne, you mentioned the cold opens. Like, I don't, I can't think of another show that does that so well. Yeah. Or that did before. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, some great ones. There's one where uh, Jim dresses up just like so Dwight. Amazing. That's one of my favorites. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Identity I mean... theft isn't a joke, Jim. <laughs> Thousands suffer every year. <laughs> Michael? Michael? <laughs> Good. <laughs> or like he calculates how much the um, costume cost on his like yes. wa- calculator watch. <laughs> like that's so Dwight. Total eleven dollars. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I love all the ones where they prank Dwight. Like the one where he puts all of Dwight's stuff in the uh, vending machine. Mm-hmm. Um, that the one's women's great. restroom. When, the one where he puts it in the in the bathroom and then he, you wash your hear. hands, Kevin. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so good. Um, where he gifts wrap, gift wraps uh, Dwight's desk. Mm-hmm. Um, Asian Jim is a really good one. 
It's where I first saw the Dilf Randall Park. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I think my favorite cold open of all time is the one where Dwight makes the the fire drill. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Angela throws a cat through the ceiling. Um, Have I seen this? Yeah. Um, and he, as he's doing it, as Dwight is setting the fire alarm off, he's like taking a blowtorch to uh, a door handle. Mm-hmm. And he's like, today smoking. No, no, wait. It, he throws a cigarette into the wastebasket. And he goes, today smoking is going to save lives. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's the one where Stanley has a heart attack. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. And they find out that he gets stressed out every time Michael comes near him because he gets <laughs> yes. like a little monitor. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh. oh, And Michael goes, Stanley, Barack Obama is president. <laughs> like as if that's going to help yeah. him on his heart attack. It's so good. Um, yeah, just they're so creative. They don't always have to do with what goes on in the show. But they're so memorable. Um, also Kevin's Chili. Sorry, I can't believe I forgot about that one. Oh, Uh, that's a fantastic one. I haven't seen this in the show yet, but I've seen this clip many times. The trick is to undercook the onions and the peppers or whatever, because they're all going to get to know each other in the pot. Oh, come on! I can't, like, unsee Ted Cruz looking like Kevin now. Someone, like, made that. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that was like a TikTok or a Vine, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so good. Um, but to answer your question, uh-huh. <laughs> I think the reason why I got into it was uh, like 2005, right? That's when it uh, premiered. Mm-hmm. So it was around that time that I started uh, working in offices, like interning, and being an intern is sort of like being um, part of a documentary that? crew. <laughs> like, yeah, looking at what office like is office life is like, and just observing all the weird things that went on and the strange politics and relationships. And so for me, it felt very real mm-hmm. to be seeing all this bizarre behavior on television. Uh, and at, at that point, I hadn't started working for real yet, so I I didn't necessarily identify with the characters or recognize them but then as I got older uh it was like oh shoot I've definitely had bosses like Michael Mm -hmm. I definitely had co-workers like Andy um definitely had a crush on my receptionist Pam (laughs) etc like that type of thing so it feels really approachable um all the characters and the actors are all extremely approachable they seem like people I'd want to be friends with Uh um and we talk a lot about like John Krasinski's on it, Rashida Jones, um, Amy Adams, and even even all these very famous and famously attractive people, even then, they all seem like really normal, regular people. Yeah. Um, it's not like, I'm trying, like, the OC. Right. <laughs> like, half of the cast of the OC were, you know, models or whatever. Um, and not to say that they're, the people on the office are frumpy or anything, but they just look like people normal at your people. office. Like, yeah. people that you know. Um, Did, so yeah, weren't they like hired as like I know Phyllis right. was hi- was like a casting director, yeah, uh, working for NBC, and then she got hired on The Office. Um, but yeah, they just hired like normal people really normal people but i also think the writers did such a great job of making everything so natural mm-hmm. um all the dialogue and the timing and everything just seems so um it seems real 
Yeah. Right? Like, I, I don't know if you listened to the latest episode of the Office Ladies podcast, but um, Larry Wilmore was saying that mm-hmm. he wrote a, a scene or a type of dialogue in a very specific way because he knew the timing needed to be in a very specific way. And, mm-hmm. and Angela and, and Jenna were saying a lot of people are always asking if we're improvising or whatever, but no, like sometimes they actually write these looks to camera and these pauses or whatever. And Larry said that it's because the writers were on the set so often so early that they were able to pick up on the actor's natural tendencies and were able to write based on that. And that's wow. so cool. That's so mm-hmm. cool. To, that really is. And to make it have that documentary feel, it mm. has to kind of be written that way. It's kind of jarring when you first are taken out of that and you realize, well, you know it's a documentary because they tell you they get interviewed. Mm-hmm. But I think it's when um, Dwight has his concussion and Michael goes in yes. with him and takes his microphone off and you're kind of re- dropped back into like, oh yeah, like they're on a documentary scene, yeah. like fictionally. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting frame. Yeah. And I remember, so I watched Parks and Rec, but they didn't even, like, build the documentary into the story in that one. Mm-hmm. It was just, like, the mockumentary style with the with another workplace. And it, like, was somehow still successful because, yeah, it's an interesting style for a TV show. And I think those are kind of maybe two of the only, like, successful examples. Yeah, I think that's another reason why it was so successful. It's something that's kind of new and different. That mockumentary style, the camera becoming a character, mm-hmm. but it's yes. it's so good. But they they put it in a really familiar package, right? It's like it, it's like a very typical three act story structure. They mm-hmm. use a lot of the same tropes that you see on other shows. It's it's twenty two minutes, like it's it's all very approachable. But they're adding something totally new and different with that camera as a character style. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know the thing that we're both thinking about, it's that episode where... The candy where... bar. The candy <laughs> bar. <laughs> There's an episode where Dwight... Pam suspects that something is going on between Dwight and Angela, and the camera crew sees Dwight... sees Angela with a candy bar, and then later... She's bought two. She's bought two, and Pam is like, why does she need two candy bars? <laughs> and then there's a scene that starts with... It's just like... Pam sitting at the desk and the camera is like 10, 15 feet away. And then the camera like drops down to Pam's level and rushes into her face. And she just looks up and she's like, what? And then the camera looks at Dwight eating a candy bar and looks back at Pam and she's just like, oh! and it's just such a good use of that camera. Like, like, you know, there's a person behind it that she's not just like interfacing with a, a machine, but like, yeah. Yeah. That cameraman so far hasn't appeared as a character. I don't think he ever will, probably. Maybe. I don't want to so much <laughs> Maybe the cameraman will appear. Is the cameraman played by a very famous person? I don't like, think how so. Nobody character? I recognize anyway. Yeah. Okay. I'm thinking of, like, the mayor in Parks and Rec is always referred to throughout the show. And then, like, the second to last episode is Bill Murray. And you're just like, oh, <laughs> oh damn. Oh, damn. Mick uh, Gunderson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I do love the the camera or the camera crew as a, like, a good, a really good character. I don't know what about it is so funny, but it's like whenever Jan calls Michael and he kicks the camera crew out of his room and you see the spy shots through the uh-huh. the blinds or whatever, um, or when she calls and is like, am I on speakerphone? <laughs> Things like that. Are the cameras there? so funny. Yeah. Yeah. 
I don't know, just something about it, the way they do the spy shots and how you learn things mm-hmm. via spy shot. Uh, it just, I don't see that in a lot of other shows. Yeah. I'm wondering in real life, like, what kind of ethical problems would come up from this? <laughs> Especially in, like, a private company. Yeah, for a struggling paper company, that seems like quite the liability. <laughs> yeah. A mid-sized regional paper firm. <laughs> something that I thought was really interesting... Um, In April of 2019, Netflix published a breakdown of all their viewership data, which is really rare. Yes. Uh, And they found that The Office was the platform's most viewed television show, which is insane. Yeah. It made up 3% of total viewer minutes, which sounds like nothing, but three minutes evidently is 52 billion minutes. Yeah. 3% is 52 billion minutes. Yeah, because people are, like, a lot of people are always watching Netflix. Always. Yeah. And always yeah. watching The Office. Yeah. Like, rewatching, just having it on in the background. It's yeah. like a sense of comfort that people return to. Yeah. Yeah, which is so weird to me because I don't find it comforting (laughs) I find it really anxiety inducing in a lot of ways is there something about like the timing that it came out that it was maybe the first show folks started to binge I think Mm, maybe yeah it also hit syndication pretty early because if they're doing like 20 something episodes they would have hit syndication in like season Mm 5 so they were like they were like a little over halfway done so people were able to start binging while it was still on TV. Right, right. Which doesn't happen for a lot of shows. Yeah. So I wonder if that had something to do with it. I also think it's interesting that so many people our age who, like you said, were like either just starting to work in offices or had never worked in an office, like loved the show so much and loved it when, like, when we were like teenagers. Yeah. And I, like, I kind of wonder if part of its appeal is the fact that it, it was completely fantastical for a lot of people in our generation who like, because mm. <clears throat> like I don't think most people started working in an office when they were eighteen. Probably not. That's a really good point because I remember us trying to like make my dad watch it with us one time, and he like didn't like it at all and didn't think it was funny. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, I think also a lot of it just doesn't quite translate to today. Like I don't think satire is quite mm. as applicable today now that the world is like actually on fire. I don't. I think a lot of the satirical stuff in The Office is like, that was funny in 2005, mm. but there are like real Nazis now. <laughs> yeah. The whole like Dwight's family being like escaped Nazis living in Argentina. I'm just like, mm, I just don't think this is funny it- anymore. <laughs> I'm curious if it's, um, this is, this is a long time listener, um, first time, first time caller type situation, but in your OC episode... <laughs> damn called out um in your oc episode you talk about how you were watching it as a kid and and imagining that like that's what high school is going to be like i'm curious if that's what like as an 18 year old who hasn't worked a real job you're like yeah this is what the office is going to be like my my office i'm gonna have a, a cool office tension romance and um, my boss is going to want to be my best friend and whatever. I don't know. Yeah. It's like <laughs> maybe not aspirational. I don't know <laughs> aspires to that, but I don't know if, if it's just like your first look at what real life is going to be like and it's not totally boring, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. And it's got like some heart to it. We haven't really talked to, I mean, we have. The heart of the show is kind of Jim and Pam. And then the second heart of the show is all these like background characters. And there are so many. We've named. Kevin, Angela, D- 
Dwight is kind of background, but he's kind of also like Michael's storyline. Jan. Jan, Meredith, Oscar. Oscar. I'm thinking just the like Creed. background in the office. Uh-huh. Yeah, Creed, uh, Stanley. Stanley, Mindy Kaling, Kelly, Kelly Kapoor. <laughs> we just call her Mindy. <laughs> She's just become Mindy Kaling. Toby. Toby. Oh, Toby. Yes. Which is also interesting in the early episodes, and it like filters off at some point, but there are all these like randos in the early episodes. <laughs> yeah. That, like, <laughs> Or other like the, people who work there. And then yeah. Devin, who gets fired early on. Devin. <laughs> yes. And then they also, like, merge the two offices together, and everyone quits, like... Immediately. Like, in the first episode <laughs> that they're all together. <laughs> Except Karen. Joanne and I have very different feelings about Kellen, Karen Filippelli. Ooh, let me... I want to hear. I love hearing about Karen. Karen is <laughs> stepping on my girl Pam's territory, and she needs to back off. And also, she's clearly canonically gay. <laughs> you are always looking at Karen in the background like look at that vest she's gay <laughs> she's wearing a middle fingering in one episode like <laughs> nice use of canonically by the way <laughs> thank you <laughs> um meanwhile I love Karen mm-hmm. I think no I think she's very smart and I think she's fu- I think that she's the foil to Pam in a lot of ways that I like in that she's very sure of herself. Um, she's really That's confident. Fair. I don't know. She just seems, she seems like a very capable, competent person. <laughs> and I think maybe because one time you told me that I dress like Karen. I was like, I identify with Karen. <laughs> you kind of do dress like Karen. I know. I always know when you have meetings at work because you're dressed like Karen. <laughs> Otherwise, I dress like me, so... Um, but yes, no, I love her. I feel like Jim did her wrong. Um, and so yes, he, he did. He did her really wrong. He did her really, really, wrong. really wrong. We just watched last night the episode where Michael and Dwight, like, trick Jim into going to Karen's office to see... I will burn you to cut to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> Jim's in the background, like, quietly shaking his head, no. Um... They literally throw his phone out the car window. Yeah. That sucks. I had pictures of my brother's new baby on it, but. <laughs> yeah, and then, like, Karen and Jim have that conversation where he's like, oh, you know, like, I just came for the cop. Like, he couldn't even, like, tell the truth and be like, I was tricked into coming here, which is totally believable. Especially for somebody who's worked with those people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like, he could have just been like, I was tricked. And then instead he was like, I just came to prank you and I'm doing really well. And I was just like, no, Jim, no. Yeah, like, uh, the things in that relationship just, I found it so dysfunctional. Like, when they were having conversations about how he used to have a thing for Pam. And I guess it had never come up before for them. And so they talked about it. They had conversations about it. Which seems very normal, but he made her seem like such a bitch. Be like, yeah, we've been talking for the last five nights or whatever. Like, just, <laughs> it's just such a normal thing to go through in a relationship. And for him to make her seem like a really bad person for making him do it, I didn't like that. Yeah. yeah. And I think 
when I watched it. So, you know, I'm in late high school, then early college when it came out. And I just thought Jim was like the dream guy. Like he's yeah. amazing. Yeah. I love him so much. But watching it as an adult, Jim is a little skeevy. Like yes. he treat he does not treat women well. The Amy yeah. Adams character, he's super mean to her. Yeah. Um, Karen. He's and even Pam, like when yes. they get married and things, you're just kinda like, okay, like you kind of suck a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like he's very I still good love him. To don't it. get me wrong. I love the yeah. Yeah. I love the whole gym thing, but yeah, I mean, like, uh, we're we're kind of getting to the part now where they're they're dating, and she's like, "Oh, I want to like stay late to work on my animation or whatever," and he's like, "Oh, okay," like he's just like not supportive of Pam, yeah, doing her art, which is like he does bring about. her breakfast in the morning. That's nice, true. yeah. <laughs> but he yeah, loves a great steal the hash browns. Yeah, it was a quick save, yeah. but yeah, not perfect. <laughs> What's her ex's name? Roy? Roy. Roy. Yep. Yes. He's head and shoulders above Roy, though. Yes. Yes. He's he's <laughs> much better than Roy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. He, I, I, I have such a hard time with Jim because I do really love him because he reminds me of a lot of my high school boyfriends. <laughs> college boyfriends as well. But um, just like you said, like when you watch it as an adult who has been through life, been through relationships, you're like... Jim kind of sucks. Yeah, like, there are a couple red flags there, bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But another thing I kind of like is you do see people kind of, like, mature into more adultier adults, even mm-hmm. though, obviously, it's a show about adults. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's too much of a spoiler, but, like, you do see Roy later on. Yeah. And he's a very different person. Oh, that's Which good. I kind of like in that um, I think sometimes people don't bring out the best in each other, and it doesn't uh-huh. always necessarily mean you're a terrible person. Yeah. It just could mean that, like, that was part of your path that was should have been over a while ago. Yeah. 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 He, like, learns to play piano. Yeah, he's, like, this wonderful, like, man. You're just like, oh, shit. Damn. You just need the right person to unlock that for you. Yeah. Or just, like, grow out of that person he had been in high school. Because, you know, him and Pam had been high school sweethearts and were kind of just, like, locked in these people that they had always been. And you just got this sense. I feel like their engagement was almost just, like, a physical manifestation of, like, we can't move past this point. Yeah. They needed to blow that up mm-hmm. and move on. I'm glad to hear that Roy proves. I kind of like him. Yeah, I think Roy is incredibly attractive. Yeah. <laughs> I like that, like, meaty man. <laughs> <laughs> During the Jim's party episode, when Jim is not in work clothes, when he's just wearing, like, a long sleeve tee, I was like, oh, oh, John Krasinski is hot, <laughs> actually. Turns out. Turns out. <laughs> And then that's all I could talk about for, like, three episodes. Yeah. I noticed. (laughs) (laughs) Oops. Um, But the thing that was upsetting to me was he got that great haircut for the interview. For one episode. And then it went right back to the floppy bowl cut. I was like, oh. You can't. Damn it. I guess it was just styled, but, like, it was so sudden. Like, I was like, oh, this is, like, a new gem that I get to look at. And then the next episode, he was like, huh? No. Kevin. What's different about you? You look worse. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Thanks, Kat. <laughs> Big haircut. <laughs> yeah, see, so, like, these little asides that keep coming up, I think that's why The Office, as I've grown out of that phase where I'm like, maybe that's what working, the workplace is like, it's now more just the references that are so... Um, 
they're just so general. It's yeah. not like I'm trying to think of other television shows that I really love and reference all the time, like Broad City, uh-huh. where she puts um, she puts weed in her vagina, uh-huh. nature's pocket. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's, it's like, I don't talk about my vagina every day in public with like random people, but you know if if. For example, I am eating or I'm drinking like a brand name Coke instead of something generic and someone makes a comment on it because I eat and drink a lot of generic things at the office. If someone makes a comment about it and you'd be like, oh, haha, like Finer Things Club. Yeah. Like that's just so general and and, and they know exactly where it comes from. They know what it means. Um, There's a lot of references that I knew that I didn't understand. Like I didn't know that they came from the office or like the that's what she said joke. Like that's introduced in like the second or third episode. And I thought in the show, it was like a funny joke. And I didn't realize that even in the show, the office, it's not funny. Yeah. Like I thought, like I've been hearing people say that for like 10, 15 years and I always thought, like, oh, it's this funny thing from The Office that I don't get that I don't find funny, but they find funny. And then I was like, no, nobody finds it funny. Yeah, like, like, I that's the funny part. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't understand, like, this very, like, layered... Yeah, there's a lot of references that I see and I'm like, oh, hey, I've seen that, oh. I've seen that gif a lot. Or, like... You can use yeah. it for anything, anything anybody... Yeah. Um, why are you the way that you are? I hate everything about the way that you choose to be. Dwight, you ignorant slut. <laughs> I'm very fired. Dwight, you ignorant slut. so good. It's like, well, the first showing had some uh, hiccups, but they really hit their stride. And I think I'll bring my parents for the matinee. <laughs> oh, tan um. almost everywhere. <laughs> Jan, Jan almost everywhere. <laughs> He, he. <laughs> I've heard you say that like a dozen times, and it wasn't until last night that I was like, "Oh, I see." Oh, I get it. Yeah, that's a really interesting episode too, where he's yeah. like, "You expect to get screwed by your company. You don't expect to get screwed by your girlfriend." <laughs> he also says later that he tented his pants. <laughs> that's just. So good. The writing is so good. The jokes are oh. Oh my god. When Mindy and Pam are are smack talking, and Mindy says, or Kelly, I guess yes. Kelly says, "Your mom was so big she ate the." <laughs> oh, were, were Jim's parents first cousins who were also bad at ping pong? <laughs> what? The writing is so good. What uh-huh. I can't believe is that Mindy didn't write that joke for herself. That's so good. I mean, she might have written that joke. That's true. That's and true. And then didn't write the whole episode. She didn't get, yeah. yeah. But, oh, wow. So good. <laughs> I also love when when Mindy has a has a fight with Ryan. She's like, I'm pregnant with your baby. And then there's a talking head, and it's just Mindy shaking her head. She's like, no. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not true. <laughs> Kelly Kapoor might be my favorite character. I think all the background characters are my favorite characters. I love Phyllis. Yeah. I love Stanley. Bob Vance. Vance <laughs> Yes! Well, I'm working, Bob. <laughs> um, I think that that's one Kelly. thing that The Office does really well, is their background characters are so fleshed out. Yeah. And you see that carry on to, like, Parks and Rec. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine has, like, a little bit of that. That's another Mike Schur show. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like the the sleeper 
Mike Sure show that, like, not a lot of people have really bit gotten into, but it's good. Hmm. like it. It does the whole, like, workplace... Yeah. Comedy, workplace romance. Andy Samberg looks very cute. Did you see that photo of Andy Samberg and John Mulaney recently? No, I didn't. Oh, it's super hot. Ugh. It's, like, super dad vibes. Ugh. Um, yeah, you know, I'm into it. I know It's you, black and white. I know you already <laughs> That know makes everything better. How old Andy Samberg is, because I tell you this all the time. Yeah. He's 41. <sighs> also, do you know who he's married to? Mm-mm. Joanna Newsom. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's married to Harp Girl. Your Harp Girl. <laughs> my Harp Girl. <laughs> my love. I hear about your love for Harp Girl about as often as I hear about your love for John Krasinski in his... Specifically his chest. Yes. And shoulders. Yes. <laughs> Chop it up. <laughs> Give it to me in pieces. Meredith is a side character I really well, like. Meredith is... I really like Meredith. Yes, I'm interested to know if... Meredith ever deals with her alcoholism that is, like, constantly referenced. There are more looks being given. Like, I'm trying to remember. Have you ever, while under the influence of alcohol, questioned the teachings of the Mormon church? (laughs) Where are you getting this pamphlet from? (laughs) Is that, does Angela say that? No, Michael is, like, trying to do an intervention oh, okay. during a Christmas party. Have you guys not gotten to I, that I episode? Oh, and he's, like, reading all of these oh. things, like, you might be an alcoholic. And at first it seems like, yeah, if you have a drink to, like, celebrate an occasion, if you have a drink to make you feel better, have you ever, while under the influence of alcohol, questioned the teachings of the Mormon church? Yeah. <laughs> it's like a Mormon pamphlet. Yeah. That's, yeah, yeah Mormons don't really drink coffee. Mormons don't drink coffee. Really? Whoa. Many Mormons do not drink coffee. Oh. Caffeine's a drug, man. Caffeine's a drug. <laughs> <laughs> and you're not wrong. Um, I think I think something that I like about the background characters we referenced that they're really fleshed out, but without needing to dedicate entire storylines or episodes to them, which I find very interesting. Um, and I think my Meredith is Kevin. I really yes, like Kevin yes. a lot. Um, I identify with Kevin. He He's one-dimensional without being boring or predictable mm. necessarily. Um, you can feel you can feel sympathy for him, right? Like when he has that skin cancer scare, um, you see him trying to navigate like um, being a dad when he brings Abby to work, mm-hmm. uh, and how he's, like, doesn't, he's like, this is my file cabinet, and you're like, <laughs> oh, Kevin, um, and, you know, yeah, yeah, he does the eating M&M's trick or whatever, <laughs> and he's a fat guy, but they don't put him into the fat guy trope necessarily, like, he always has a girlfriend mm-hmm. or a fiance mm-hmm. or whatever, and I, I find that really cool that he's not, necessarily as nuanced as a Jim or as a Pam, but he's still a really good character. Yeah, I think something the show does well is they take these, like, stereotypes of characters and give them, like, unexpected characteristics outside of that archetype. So, like, they're all, like Michael is constantly projecting this, like, black guy image onto Stanley, and yeah. Stanley is yeah. always just, like... Like the basketball episode. Turns yeah. out Kevin's like amazing at basketball and he's not allowed to play because he's fast. Stanley dribbling a basketball with one hand behind him and just like slowly. <laughs> so, so funny. And then with Oscar, he's like, we'll need you when we play baseball, buddy, or something like that. It's just like, oh my God. Yeah. So you're not, your gayness is not what defines you to me. It's your Mexican. Yeah. 
what? <laughs> yeah, the show is like, like it's doing the the satire thing where it's like, here's the like pinnacle of this like racist boss guy, and we're gonna show him being racist, and we're gonna show other people re- responding to it as like a bad thing. And I think that for the most part that works for me, but sometimes I'm just like, oh, I just, I just. It's not funny. Like, yeah, it's hard to find it funny. The interesting part about Michael's character, too, though, is that he thinks he's so enlightened. Yeah. Which is, like, yeah. the, the interesting thing. Yeah. He's <laughs> very deluded about, one, how good of a boss he is, and two, what a great guy he is. Mm-hmm. He, um, I think a lot about that episode <laughs> where he burns his foot on the George Washington. <laughs> yes, I just watched that one last night. <laughs> And, like, after that, he thinks he knows what people with physical disabilities have to <laughs> yes, go through. Yes. Oh, God. It's like, what? Why? Where did you Where did you get this? Why do you think you know? Because you burned your foot. Like, oh. <laughs> On a George Foreman girl that you had in your bed? I like the smell of bacon in the morning. Sue me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why this is so hard for people to understand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, something that I wrote down was, and then especially as we were rewatching it, so I haven't rewatched The Office in, in a while, but in thinking about Michael as a character in this era of Me Too, like, why, why do I still find some of the things that he does and says funny when I know that this happens in real life? Mm-hmm. The bosses talk about their co, the people who work for them, the way he objects. You know, objectifies Pam constantly. Like, that's a real thing. Yeah. So why is it still so funny to me on the show? Um, Yeah. I'm kind of curious about that. I think it's so interesting when you see him juxtaposed with, like, Todd Packer whenever he comes into the office. And, like, you see Michael trying to, like, navigate that line where he's like oh, this isn't super appropriate. Because that yeah. happens, like, pretty regularly. Yeah. Um, like, with Phyllis, I think, Todd Packer, like, points at her. I don't even remember the joke, but, like, then Michael yeah. goes, like, over it the other way, like, oh, yeah. I've got a boner because I'm hugging you. <laughs> and it's like, whoa, that's not what we're asking for. We're just, yeah. like... But, yeah, it's, um, it's an interesting... I think that, for me, what I feel about it is I think, at his core, Michael does care a lot about his friends and, mm-hmm. the, and the women in his life, but, like, a lot of very well-meaning men, he doesn't understand that he's part of the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, he understands that there's a problem. There's a problem with the way people with disabilities are treated, but he doesn't understand the scope of it. He doesn't understand what it looks like. He doesn't understand his part in it, i.e. Mm-hmm. parking in the disabled parking lots that are the spots of Billy can't park in it. He he means so well, but he doesn't he doesn't know um, how to educate himself. He doesn't know how to let other people teach him. And so for me I don't necessarily see his behavior as malicious um, or evil, although the the side effects obviously are very bad. Mm-hmm. And so I feel some small degree of sympathy for him where I'm like, I just wish someone would talk him through why this is a problem or, mm-hmm. or this is what it looks like for Pam when you are constantly saying stuff to her like, you should dress that way all the time mm-hmm. or I would unbutton that top button if I were going on that date, you know? Yeah. Um, That's such a good reading of Michael. I don't <laughs> think I've heard like that good of a reading of him before that he like sees all these problems but doesn't. 
yeah. know how to... Yeah, like when he recognizes that Todd Packer's comment to Phyllis was inappropriate yeah. or hurtful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when it, yeah he sees it hurt Phyllis, then he's not okay with it, but he doesn't know how to fix it or why yeah. or... Yeah. Mm-hmm. It doesn't absolve him, obviously. Of course. But I can see why he's not demonized for it mm-hmm. um, and why I'm still able to be like, ha-ha, Michael. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm not doing the right thing by being like, ha-ha, Michael, but... I just don't see him as a, a bad character. I think to like all of us to a certain extent, intent matters. Like you said too, like mm-hmm. how people mean it, even if the effect is bad, if the intention wasn't malicious, then we're more willing to forgive, especially a character like that, that yeah, yeah. we love in certain ways. Yeah. You can tell he like wants to be this idea of goodness that he has, but he just doesn't know how to get there. Yeah. Um, which, yeah, is is actually very true to life. Like, I know a lot of people like that in my real life who, like, want to be a certain way but just don't know how to enact it. And it it's hard to do in mm-hmm. real life. But I'm also thinking of, like, when he went to Pam's art show and he was, like, the oh. only one who went there and was supportive of her. And I think, like, you've just seen him have, like, a really rough day or something. He could have just, like, gone home, but he, like, went there, and he was like, this is wonderful. I want to buy this. I want to get this for the office. And then he turns to her, and he's like, I'm really proud of you. Yeah. It's so sweet. Like, he's he's not trying to... Like, Todd Packer is just trying to, like, put others down to make a joke. Yeah. And Michael is just trying to, like... Like, he just wants everyone to like him. Yeah. <laughs> he says overtly in many situations, like, is it a problem to, like, obsessively want everyone to like you? No! <laughs> Would I rather be feared or loved? I want my worker or my employees to fear how much they love me. Like, you know, like we just watched the deposition episode, yes. and after like David Wallace basically shits on him with regard to the the promotion at the end of it. At the end of the day, he goes, David. I think you're a nice guy too, and you're like, yes, no, that oh, episode yeah. gets me. Yeah, yeah. I think that we just finished two episodes that I felt like were really close to the British version of The Office. It was the deposition and the dinner party. <laughs> the dinner party is my all-time favorite episode. Okay. It's so ever, good. Ever, ever, ever. Like, Eddie and I do this. it all the time. Like, watch that one all the time. Like, Please talk about this. me by the head. <laughs> made me a man. That one night. Yes. You made everything all right. Yeah. So the dinner episode. Sorry, that was uh, obnoxious. No, but... that was Hunter. So... Hunter is so talented. <laughs> Jan, Jan, and Michael get together, and Jan has this personal assistant named Hunter, who is this like totally normal looking like twenty year old. Yeah. That Michael is always like, oh, he's so hot. Her <laughs> super hot new assistant. <laughs> yeah. And apparently, he has a song where he sings about some older woman making him a man. Yes. Wonder who it is. <laughs> so Jan is no longer working at corporate at this point. She's yeah. living with Michael. Um, good luck paying me back with your zero salary plus benefits, babe. <laughs> the babe. Oh. oh my gosh. You want to see the upstairs and downstairs first, babe? You're cool, babe. <laughs> Yeah, so Michael and Jan force everyone to come over for a dinner party, and there's no other way to say it. It kind of starts with yeah. uh, 
him saying that everybody has to like work late and corporate's making them all work late. So he says this because Jim keeps like slithering out of plans. Uh-huh. He keeps saying like, oh no, I have plans tonight. So Michael's like, I told you not to have plans tonight because you were working late. Remember? Now you can come for a dinner party. Yeah. <laughs> so gets everybody over there. And then he and Jan just proceed to make everyone as uncomfortable as possible. And it is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the, like the the use of babe, oh god, it the just way kills the me. condo is decorated, yeah, the very veiled explanation that Jan pushed Michael through the screen door, <laughs> and it shattered. Like, <laughs> no, he just loves ice cream. He loves ice cream, babe. <laughs> I don't like that story, babe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like she clearly pushed him through that window. Oh, and makes him sleep at the foot of the bed. <laughs> oh. Yeah. I guess I didn't find the episode very funny. <laughs> Maybe just on like a lot, a lot of rewatching. I yeah, don't know. I think it's... I at one point I was like, okay, like I see Steve Carell's performance and I see, oh, what's her name? Melora Hardin. Melora Hardin's performance. And I'm like, okay, like I'm past the story and I'm just looking at their performance and I see how good and funny it is. But just like the story itself, I was just like, I don't know. I don't know what it says about me then, because I, like, cannot stop it's laughing so like, no, when I, I Jan, think, like, like, grabs Jim's hand, and he's just, like, sitting, like, yeah, isolated yeah, on the couch, yeah. and she's, like, twirling no, herself, very, and I'm just, what? That's very funny to me, yeah. It's just, like, oh, I yeah. can't handle it. You have no idea the toll three vasectomies have on a person! <laughs> that was a very good line. <laughs> snip, snap, snip, snap! <laughs> Oh I, oh, I just can't handle it. I also do love the fact that she has, like, taken over his condo. Yes. And she has, like, an office and a workroom. Serenity by Jan. Yes. And that she seems to think that Michael and Pam had, like, this full-blown <laughs> yes. relationship. Yes, because happen. he gives her his coat or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, and yeah. it kind of seems like he's intuited that like he had a relationship with Pam or like has thrown like little things maybe to make himself seem cooler to yeah. Jan. Cause... <laughs> yeah. Because you've seen that episode where Pam sees Michael's dick, right? That sounds familiar. If it was an iPad, it'd be a shuffle. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. You said come in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's why. Oh, okay. Maybe that's yeah. why Jan thinks that. Yeah, no, I think I, I like that episode. I feel really bad about it because, like, right before we started, I was like, this is one of the best episodes. And, like, it didn't seem like you liked it very much. I was, I was just like, like oh, this no. is so uncomfortable. I've said that to you, too. Like, the dinner party one. Tell me when you <laughs> no, watch No, I mean, like, a lot of people have. And, like, on the Office Ladies podcast, they've talked it up as being, like, this funny episode with actress. Melora. Uh, Melora. I yeah. keep wanting to say Marola. Maybe I'll have to rewatch it to, like, soak in the humor a little bit but I think maybe once you get like like you said it's because of certain like numbers of rewatchings where you get to the end and you see how it works out for everyone mm-hmm. that you can watch that and be like no that's very funny yeah yeah, yeah it's also a small detail that I do really enjoy when the cops show up and they just they see Dwight and they're like oh hey Dwight <laughs> not like, now Dwight <laughs> not now. yeah like they already know what the situation at the house is and they already know who Dwight is yeah. <laughs> oh god like this has happened many times before yeah, I think I think for me too, the thing that is cool about that episode is it's really close to the British one, mm-hmm. and that uh-huh. makes me feel very uncomfortable. But it's just it, there's just with that American spin on it, mm-hmm. because I do think that the British office is pretty different 
from the American version. Yeah. Um, the humor is a lot different. Mm-hmm. The, the vibe is <laughs> a lot different. I honestly can't imagine a British office. Because British humor is very, like, dry and cringy. Yeah. And I feel like the, the American office is already so dry and cringy. Oh, like, I generally love British humor a lot, but... There's a great moment where Michael Scott meets the British Michael Scott. Oh. <laughs> Ricky Gervais shows up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> you got a while. Okay. <laughs> In the dinner party episode, I always feel so bad for Dwight's babysitter. He brings his, like, babysitter as his date. (laughs) It's purely carnal. (laughs) The thought of your beats in my mouth makes me want to (laughs) pee. And the fact that, like, Andy does not get Dwight and Angela's thing at all. Mm -hmm. um, That's very funny to me. Uh, this isn't in that episode, but Eddie loves to re um, rehash this line where Andy's like, Tom, I intended the mystery of childbirth <laughs> to Jane. <laughs> later, I think, too. Yeah. Yeah. So this show kicked off a lot of, like, careers for people. And I think Ed Harris is Ed also... Helms. Ed Helms. Ed Harris is a totally different person. <laughs> <laughs> Ed Helms. Mindy Kaling. John Krasinski. Jenna Fisher. Like, they all, really, like, Steve Carell is the only one that had, like, an established mm-hmm. career yeah. before. B.J. Novak, for sure, too. Yeah. 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 Has he acted in a lot of stuff after this, or? I've seen him, like, show up in, like, weird little places, but then he, like, wrote a book, and, like, mm. he's just, like, he's yeah. very much like B.J. Novak now. Like, everybody's yeah. like, oh, The Office. I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. Yeah, B.J. Novak shows up in Crazy Ex-Girlfriend for, like, a tick when she's, like, talking to oh. him or Skyping her, like, Harvard friends or oh, something. Dang. Oh, I didn't. I didn't know who B.J. Novak was when I was watching Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. So I, I don't know who uh, Aaron. What does what is Aaron and Kimmy Schmidt? Yes, I like. Did Kimmy she Schmidt did a lot. she get her start on The Office? I think so. She's Ellie so Kemper. Good in the Ellie Kemper. Too. Yeah. Ellie Kemper. From what I understand, her Office character is pretty similar to her Kimmy Schmidt character. Ish. I'm trying to think of like there's something like that makes it pretty distinct. Like I think that. Um, Kimmy is like really smart, and not that the office uh, character isn't. But... Yeah, Kimmy's also ha- has like a very arrested development. Yeah, was... and you do see that with this character too. There's also like the like really sweet on the surface, but like trauma makes you really like violent and yeah. unpredictable to cut time. So I can oh, see that okay. similarity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did not realize that was an element in the office mm-hmm. of her character. That's yeah. cool. I mean, not cool. For the character, but I I really like that about Kimmy Schmidt, Kimmy Schmidt character. character. Yeah. yeah, how she's this like fifteen year old at heart, but then she's like, "I'll fucking stab you if you get close to me." Yes, yes. Yeah. But yeah, any last thoughts about The Office? Why you like it? What you like about it? Um, I just I think it's a lot of the stuff that we've talked about. Uh, it's just so relatable. Um, you can make these jokes all the time in any context and they're funny i don't mm-hmm. know it's got a big heart it's got a really big heart you care a lot about those characters in a way that i didn't with the british characters even though i liked the british office a lot mm-hmm. i didn't care about those characters i care about these characters you see them in your life i suppose yeah i think on the office ladies podcast they were talking about how ricky gervais was saying like the, the heart of the show needs to be different in the U.S. version than the U.K. version. And Ricky Gervais said, like, you need to put that emphasis on Jim Pam. Mm. 
That was apparently Refugio Base's idea. Mm, very cool. Yeah. I was like, I like it. Yeah. Stephen Merchant did say that he thinks that The Office is a romantic comedy. Like, it's about yeah. a romance. It's mm-hmm. not about the, the workplace, mm-hmm. which you don't get because it's called The Office. Yeah. <laughs> you don't necessarily get that right away. But yeah. And I don't think it, it was intended to be that in, like, the first season. That wasn't really, like, the main focus. Sure. It, it had started, but it wasn't really, like, the emphasis. Yeah. I think that's a good sum- summary of why I like it. Mm. Big butt, bigger heart. <laughs> <laughs> I like that joke a lot. It's a really good joke. <laughs> it's a description of Stanley. That Michael gives, yes. yes. Yeah. But it's also a great description of The Office. Like, because everybody's like, but, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but in a different sense. Yeah. A lot of a lot of crass humor that I am very susceptible to, unfortunately. <laughs> Yes. All I want to do is sit on a beach and eat hot dogs. That's all I've ever wanted. <laughs> that should have been your Tinder profile. It was. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> then I came up with a one-liner of my own, so yay. Uh, yes, big butt, bigger heart, great writing, very distinctive, a very distinctive type of humor. Yes. I think. Yeah. First of its kind. Yeah. I liked people who like The Office, too. Yeah. Almost like unerringly. Yeah. Like if <laughs> if you like The Office, I'll probably like you. Nice. <laughs> I feel like a lot of people like The Office. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like a lot of folks. Yeah, <laughs> that tracks. I was like, yeah, this all tracks. This sounds right. Well, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Yes, thank you. <laughs> yeah, but follow us on Instagram. We're uh, at Loitering Pod. Yes, and you can send us an email at loiteringpodcast at gmail.com. And if you'd like to leave us a rating or review on iTunes, we'd really like that. We would. Uh, Also, if there's any art you can't get over, holler at us. We'd love to talk about it with you. Yeah. Always looking for more folks. All right. Well, this has been Loitering. I'm Mandy. I'm Justine. And we will talk to you next week. Okay, bye. Bye.